Jews all over the world decided that if the Song of Songs was an ode to the love between God and his people, and if Haroset embodied the Jewish ability to be sustained by this love in the face of persecution, then Jews began to see the book of Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, as a Haroset recipe. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 254, The Recipe of Jewish History. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Let us speak of haroset, the fruit-based concoction into which the bitter herbs are dipped on Passover evening at the Seder. The very word haroset derives from cheres, clay, which means that it is supposed to look like mud. At the same time, taste-wise, we know that this culinary version of mortar is one of the most beloved foods at the Seder. This very symbol of servitude is considered one of the most tasty of Passover foods, widely celebrated across the Jewish world and beyond. Martha Stewart broadcast haroset recipes on her show, and Wolfgang Puck introduced his own haroset recipe, intriguingly involving Granny Smith apples, which happens to be my favorite kind of apple. Haroset is a misunderstood morsel, for though there are many that appreciate one aspect of its symbolism, there is another that is often missed, and only when we understand this can we more fully comprehend the Jewish relationship with the Song of Songs and understand how this biblical book served as a central ingredient in the recipe that is Jewish history itself. In the poetry of the Song of Songs, one fruit that makes poetic appearance is the tapuach, which is often rendered as apple, though this is controversial. Thus, the beloved in chapter 2 is described as akin to a tapuach tree among the trees of the woods, and then in chapter 8 we have the following. I raised thee up under the apple tree, there thy mother brought thee forth, there she brought thee forth that bore thee. This verse appears in a famous Talmudic passage describing the symbolism of haroset, where two opinions are offered. One, that of Rabbi Yochanan, asserts that the haroset is prepared in memory of the mortar that was used by the Israelite slaves in their backbreaking labor. But then another rabbi, Rabbi Levi, informs us that this culinary concoction is also in memory of the tapuach of the Song of Songs. What exactly would we be remembering about the tapuach on Seder night, and what does it have to do with the Song of Songs? Gil Marx's Encyclopedia of Jewish Food succinctly explains, quote, The opinion of Rabbi Yochanan that the origins of haroset lay in Nile mud is the most obvious one, reflected in its very name, derived from the later preferred term, cheres. According to this view, haroset, like the bitter herbs, dipped into it, serves as a reminder of the slavery and oppression of Egypt and the mud the Israelites used to make bricks. Mashed dried fruits, particularly dates, evoke this symbolic meaning, as they resemble mud. The more obscure assertion of Rabbi Levi, in memory of the Tapuchim, refers to Song of Songs. Under the Tapuach I raised you up, awakened you. There your mother was in travail with you. There she was in travail and gave birth to you. Tradition explains that the Israelite women in Egypt would give birth in Tapuach orchards, away from prying eyes, so that the Egyptians would be unable to discover that a male was born. This practice served to perpetuate the Israelites. In Kabbalah, a Tapuach orchard is frequently pictured as a symbol of the Divine Presence. End quote. Thus, the story of the tapuach appears in a rabbinic tale in which we are informed that many Israelites were so wearied by slavery, so despondent over Pharaoh's attempt to murder their children, that they decided not to have children because they had given up on continuity and family. And the rabbis further tell us, in this story, it was only because the women of Israel refused to give up hope that the men agreed to continue to have children. Israel was sustained through slavery 
In other words, because it was the women of Israel that refused to give up hope. Women who would then give birth in secret under the tapuach tree in order to save their children. We have then two different symbolisms in Haroset. Haroset is made to look like mortar, a symbol of slavery, but it also is meant to remind us of a very different theme, one which speaks not only to Egypt's enslavement, but to Jewish endurance throughout the ages. The persistence of Jews to continue to bring children into the world, even in ages when all might have seemed hopeless. In his memoir, The Revolt, Menachem Begin describes how, as the most wanted man in the British mandate, he grew a beard and took on a fake identity. Now, if you are laying low, the one thing you might not want to do is have a child. But Begin and his beloved wife, Aliza, did have a child at this point, a daughter, and Begin describes in his memoir how when Aliza was giving birth in the hospital, he had a friend by the name of Epstein come by to pretend to be her husband. But Begin further tells us that even as the identity of the baby's family was hidden, it was inconceivable to him and indeed to other members of the Irgun that they not celebrate the birth of this child. So the Irgun, the underground, essentially sponsored a kiddush, a celebration, at the synagogue where Begin's false persona was wont to be found. As Begin writes, quote, We decided to do it as prescribed by tradition. On the Sabbath at the synagogue, I was overwhelmed with the warmth of congratulations, and I was deeply grateful to these good people who shared my joy in my isolation. The celebration went off splendidly. Everything had been prepared. The faithful underground had not forgotten even the sliced salt herring spiked on cocktail sticks. And everybody told me they had never seen such a well-managed party in their synagogue. When the rabbi, the scholar with his piercing eyes, came up to me to give me his blessing, I felt like asking him to give me a special blessing to the innocent infant who might have to remain illegal for many years to come. But I was silent and merely mumbled a formal word of thanks. End quote. So we have a man in hiding for whom one false step could lead to his hanging from a gallows, who goes out of his way with his wife to welcome a child into the world. Thus did the Irgun, made up of fighters wanted for their lives, take out time to create a kiddush, complete with herring, to celebrate the birth of a new baby, the continuity of a Jewish family. This embodies the complexity of haroset, which brings to mind both suffering as well as continuity. And taken together, the two themes embody the Jewish people's ability to endure. And this is why the inspiration from the Song of Songs is so important. The words of this biblical book are, superficially at first glance, shocking. It is a love ode that uses profoundly physical imagery. Nevertheless, we include this sacred book in our canon. We believe that it is divinely inspired, and we insist that it gives us in its words a metaphor for the relationship between God and his beloved Israel. And if the Jewish people continue to be inspired by this book, it was because the knowledge of God's love for the Jewish people is what sustained the Jews in the face of hatred and suffering at the hands of others. The Jewish theologian Michael Wishagrod put it this way, quote, Israel knows that it is loved, and it is this awareness that has enabled it to survive thousands of years of persecution without internalizing the anti-Semites' view of the Jew, end quote. And then Wishagrat adds, quote, In spite of all the persecution to which Jews have been subject, the deepest layers of Jewish consciousness have been self-affirming because of the deep sense of love with which the people of Israel has felt itself loved by its God, end quote. It is with this in mind that a culinary move made by the Jewish people is so important. Jews all over the world decided that if the Song of Songs was an ode to the love between God and his people, and if Haroset 
embodied the Jewish ability to be sustained by this love in the face of persecution, then Jews began to see the book of Shir Shirim, the Song of Songs, as a charoset recipe. Thus, whenever a particular fruit was utilized in a metaphor in this book, if Jews had that fruit available, it would often be placed in the charoset. Thus, in one verse, chapter 7, verse 7, the beloved describes the woman he loves, thy stature is like unto a date palm tree, and dates became one of the main substances in Sephardic charoset. Because of the prominence of the tapuach, which many translated as apple, the apple became the main source of charoset in Ashkenaz. Another verse, chapter 6, verse 7, as a piece of a pomegranate are thy temples within thy locks. Thus pomegranates made its way into some recipes. Chapter 2, a sign of spring is that the fig tree has put forth its bud. And thus, figs made their way also into some charoset mixtures. I learned all this from the Encyclopedia of Jewish Food, which notes, quote, In addition, the custom arose of incorporating various produce besides the tapuach mentioned in Song of Songs. Dates, figs, pomegranates, and nuts. The most common nuts are among the few mentioned in the Bible, almonds and walnuts. Sephardim and Mizrachim apply both verses from the Song of Songs and use both dried biblical fruits such as dates, figs, and raisins, and fresh fruits, particularly apples and quinces. End quote. And, ladies and gentlemen, I would add that another fascinating development occurred, which is that as Jews truly dispersed around the world, they also added fruits from their part of the world. And this, too, I would suggest, is connected to the Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 16, where the rendezvous between lover and beloved is metaphorically described as occurring within a garden of sweet fruit. Thus Jews, wherever they were, sought whatever sweet fruit were to be found in their gardens and placed it into their charoset, along with whatever fruit available that were actually mentioned in the Song of Songs. Jews were thereby expressing that in whatever land they found themselves, throughout their exile, the relationship between God and Israel, to which the Song of Songs testified, still remains. And if this substance called charoset, created from the fruits of the Song of Songs, simultaneously commemorated the enslavement of Israel and also reminded the Jews of the fruits mentioned in the love poem that was inspired by God, then the message for us is that the Jewish knowledge of God's love can sustain the Jews in the face of some of the greatest of hardships. Therefore, if you open the pages of the Encyclopedia of Jewish Foods and see the diversity of Song of Songs-based recipes representing Jewish communities from all over the world, you are not just seeing pages from an encyclopedia. You are witnessing a sign of Jewish loyalty to and love for God throughout the exile. And you are understanding why a people who suffered so continue to treasure the love poem that we are studying today. And in fact, to this very day, the memory of the suffering in our history has taught the Jewish people to savor the sacred and the sweet. Rabbi Norman Lamb once pondered how Jews on Pesach night lift up the maror, the bitter herb, pronounce a blessing over it, and then dip it in sweet charoset. The message, he said, is that, quote, without the foretaste of maror, charoset loses its value. And he added that a people that dips maror into charoset and makes a bracha over it is defeated neither by fate nor by foe. A folk that can find the mellow and a morsel of misery can drive away the darkness with its own light, the outer sorrow with the inner joy, end quote. To live in the face of life's afflictions, to live in the face when one experiences persecution, and yet to feel life's sweetness stemming from the Jewish loving relationship with God. That is what Haroset is all about. And that is why the Song of Songs will continue to be so sweet for the Jewish people. This is Mayor Salavechik looking forward to learning together next week. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. Signing off.